0: Well, welcome, George. Welcome. Uh, So you are here to audition for the live nativity scene this year.
1: I am, yes, actually. Uh, And I'm super excited. I have this feeling that if you go with me in your production, i could be a huge asset.
0: Well, great, great. Now, which character are you auditioning for?
1: Well, uh, so I was looking over your script. Yeah, and he's in the play, but uh he's not he's not in the live nativity. And I think if you go with my idea, uh if you allow it, I would like to play that character.
0: Okay, yeah. oh, okay. So you would like to audition for a character that's not even in the live nativity?
1: Uh, yeah, correct. Yes. Uh Again, if you go with my idea, I could really chew this scene up.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Well, which character are you talking about?
1: Well, uh,
0: King Herod. Um, I'm sorry, Herod?
1: I know, right? I was wondering the same thing that you're wondering now, right? Just let that feeling wash over you, marinate inside of you.
0: Okay, yeah. wondering what exactly?
1: Where's the king? I mean, he's not even made a cameo in the nativity scene, and he kind of had this whole thing started. He got the ball rolling. Example, the census. He,
0: you know he is the bad guy in the story.
1: Exactly. Every good story needs a villain. You've got Darth Vader. You've got the state puff marshmallow man. I just got gas. That's villainous. Uh, Well, you know, Taylor Swift, she's not fooling anybody anymore, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, okay, all right.
0: You, you, you know, Herod does send the wise men to go and check things out. Yeah, okay, good point.
1: That's why you're the director. Um, got it. Okay, King Herod, he disguises himself as a wise man. He goes to that shepherd thing, and then, boom, goes the dynamite. Right. Then you've got Herod in the middle there and he's laughing his mean King Herod laugh. And he's like, I'll get you my pretties and your little drummer boy, too. (laughs) Um, Or something like that.
0: So so I think you just quoted a spy movie and The Wizard of Oz all at the same time. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's change it up. Right. Change the
1: greatest story that was ever told.
0: Um, Herod wanted to kill Jesus. He wanted to kill all the male babies around so he would still be king. Basically, he tried to outsmart God.
1: Yeah, and he almost got away with it. I mean, that's awesome.
0: Um, well, he, you know he, you know he didn't. Um, not even, not even close. So why don't you just pick a character that was an actual eyewitness to the greatest story ever told?
1: Yeah, that's not going to work. Listen, all the people that's in the nativity scene—they're—they're they're dirty peasants, and that's. No fun for anybody
0: Um, well That's the only way it can work (sighs) I don't wanna George
1: (sighs) Fine, listen It's my idea, and it's a good idea A great idea It's my story
0: See, George, that's, that's why you And so many people get it wrong See, it's not your story It's his story I'm sorry, the script isn't about you. I would love for you to play a part in this story. But when you've made it all about you and your ideas, well, we lose sight of why we even celebrate the greatest story. Yeah, I hear you.
1: M- me ego, not me amigo. OK, well, let me, <laughs> let me see. How about the shepherd? He, ooh, He gets to speak to an angel and has a big stick. Sure. All right, great. Okay. Hey, one, if he's a time traveler, right? He goes back to the 8th century B.C. Uh, He knows a whole bunch of stuff. He saves a whole bunch of people from destruction and despair.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Next. Next.
2: Come on, give him a hand. Amen. You know, Herod uh, played an important role in, in this thing when Jesus came. And uh, today I want to speak to you on, on this simple subject. We've been, with, uh, weekly, we're taking a Bible character we're and making it a little bit of fun, but but in the truth of it is, you know, Herod was part of that, that moment in time. And so today I want to talk to you on this simple subject of a tale of two kings, a tale of two kings. If you have your Bible, go to John chapter 5, verse 24 for me. <coughs> and I have, I have given this scripture, and I'm going to uh, lead into this scripture. And you say, Pastor, where are you going to go with this scripture? Well, you'll see, hanging with me. If I don't come around to it, then I cut my sermon short, all right? And you can ask me at the back door when we leave. But uh, uh, John chapter 5, verse 24 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Everyone say amen. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Everyone say from death to life. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your anointing. God, I I thank you for your spirit that I feel in this place. God, would you anoint your vessel today? God, would you use me how you see fit? Lord, would you just let the words that come from me, Lord, just be your heart? God, I pray, Lord, that lives would be changed. God, I believe, Lord, that lives will be changed by this word today. God, I pray, Lord, that as we... Uh, soak in this word, Lord, that we would reflect on who we are, God, and, and, and what we are not. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us, Lord, areas in our life, Lord, that we need to improve, God. And God, we just thank you for this. God, we give you the praise. God, we give you the glory. And everyone said, amen. Everyone look at your neighbor for me. Come on, look at him and say, did you comb your hair before you came to church? Interesting enough, Herod is the guy who finds his way into the Christmas story, but not for the right reasons or, or a good reason, right? Have you ever found yourself in a situation not for the right reasons, but but you just found yourself in a situation? Maybe you got a speeding ticket. Come on, somebody, right? You got pulled over, uh, not for the right reasons, but, but you know, you found yourself there. But but he is the guy who, who tried to kill Christmas, literally. He tried to, to take it out. He tried to stop it. He is... The original Grinch, except his heart, is, it, it doesn't grow three times. His heart remains hardened, all right? Uh, he was uh, as mean as Ebenezer Scrooge. come on, somebody, right? And, except uh, the difference between Scrooge and the Grinch and, and, and Herod is this: Herod was real. He really existed. And, and, and in our play, I loved how the director said, hey, you're making this play about you when in truth, come on, we do this with our spiritual walk with the Lord. How many know that this journey is about becoming like Jesus? We make it oftentimes about us. Uh, the reality is this, that, that, that it always has been him. It will be him and forever and ever. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know, Herod was crazy. He was a little bit, uh, he was a little bit loco in the cabeza. Come on, and and so he he was just a little bit off. He was a little unhinged person personally. Uh, anybody know who I'm talking about? Anybody know anyone in your family who's just a smidge unhinged? Come on, you don't have to raise your hand. If no one in your family raises your hand, you are the unhinged one. All right. Um, but but he is a little bit unhinged personally, and, and he is a strange leader. He is a manipulator. And I tell you what, it sounds an awful lot like a bunch of us before we came into relationship with Jesus Christ and he changed us. Come on, amen? And, and so I, I want to look at, at Herod today and compare uh, two kings today, Herod and Jesus Christ. Amen. How many know that Herod was, was the king uh, of an area? How many know that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and his kingdom knows no end is what Luke says. And so uh, I want to compare these two things. One focuses on death and one focuses on life. So let's look at this real fast. King Herod. Everyone say King Herod. He was the king over Judea under the Roman rule when Jesus was born and and honestly, he wasn't even really the king; he was more of a governor. See because Rome ruled the area, and they just put put Herod in charge of Judea. He thought they said, "You know, you can take care of these Jewish people, keep them in line for us, or else Rome will come down and keep them in line. He was a, a governor of sorts, a leader. Uh, But not in charge, if you will. Come on, how many know that some people think they're in charge, but they are not in charge. Amen. And come on, all the husbands need to raise your hand because your wife is in charge. No, I'm just playing. All right. But he was a cl- complex person. Herod was a very complex person. If, if Herod was to update his Facebook status, it would read, it is complicated. He was hard to understand because he was wrapped up in so many things. He was a, a modern-day politician, if you will. And everyone go, ooh. He was known as the king of the Jews. That was his nickname. And matter of fact, the Jews despised this. They despise that they would call him the king of the Jews. Why? Because interestingly, uh, he was from Edom. He wasn't even from the area. This was the the uh, Edom the Edomites were the lineage of Esau. How many remember the story of Esau and Jacob? And Esau uh, he is he is he's out one day and, and he's coming from hunting, and there is Jacob, and he's making stew. Right, and, and and Esau's I had a bad hunt. I'm hungry, like some of you did during deer, deer season. You you came back with nothing, and he's hungry and Jacob Jacob says, I tell you what, I'll give you some of my stew if you give me your birthright. And it's it's crazy because Esau sells his birthright because he is the oldest of the two twins, and it was all his. But he gave it up for a pot of stew. We say, man, that is silly. But he did. And oftentimes in our lives, come on, we do the same thing. We give up our future and our hope with Jesus Christ for a moment of satisfaction. Amen. So Esau, he came from from uh, Edom, and that's where Herod came from, and 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 so we got to understand that this was actually uh, he was an Arab in nationality. So Edom being part of the Arabian pen, Peninsula, that's where that was at. So uh, you know he was uh, King Herod was fra- was an Arab in nationality. Listen to this religiously. Come on, Herod was was Jewish, but he was not really a practicing Jew. Uh, and the reason why he was Jew is because in 135 BC Hycurnes uh, Hi- came down and he fought. Uh, that area and they took over and he told everyone, hey, everyone here is going to be a Jew, whether practicing or not, you are going to be a Jew, So, so Herod's family and his lineage came and so they know church, come on, sounds like some of us, we know church, we've been in church our whole life, come on, but we aren't really living this thing out, it's quiet in here. So and, and the and the Jewish people they they despise this religiously because he wasn't really a, a true devout Jew culturally he was Greek his first language was Greek he he esteemed to make Jerusalem like the great Greek cities and culture culture and diversity so you, you start to see this picture of Herod he's very complex he's from one place but he has a religion from another place and but he esteems to be uh, uh, culturally from another place and then check this out he was he politically he was Roman he he did just enough to remain in power I don't care what I have to do I'll bow down I'll do these things it doesn't matter he was a cunning and a slick politician and how many know we have those today Nothing new under the sun. Herod knew what to say, when to say it, just to get what he wanted to do. He was complicated, but with all this going on in his life, he was constantly uh, paranoid. He was He was so paranoid about losing his kingdom that... That he killed a lot of people close to him. He was, he was a little bit crazy. If you looked, uh, looked at him the wrong way, I mean, he, if you were just threatening, in a threatening look and he felt like you were threatening him, it was off with your head. You are gone. You are dead. Come on, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but that was good. You know, how wicked was he? He killed his mother-in-law. I almost gave him a thumbs up on that one. I'm joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. I hope my mother-in-laws don't watch this. He killed his mother-in-law. Then he goes a step further. He kills his wife. And then he goes a step further. He kills his own seed, his sons. That's wicked. That's, that's paranoid. That's insecurity. Matter of fact, he killed 70 of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, the whole group, and there were 70 of them because he thought they were plotting to take his throne. Scaredy cat. Caesar Augustus would say this about him, and he was a friend of Herod, and he said this about him. He said, it's safer to be uh, Herod's pig than it is to be his son. Knowing that he was unhinged and that he could take your life because he was so insecure at who he was. He was known for his cruelty to people that, that he, he was threatened by. He was paranoid. If He probably would have been diagnosed with a mental illness in our day, and he would flip a switch in just a moment. And go from okay to not good in just a second. Uh, can, you, can you imagine working for a guy like that that would just flip a switch on you? One second, you're doing good. Then he looks at you and says, you know what? I don't like you. You're fired. You're gone. You're out of here. You are dead. So, and, and so imagine this. On the backdrop of this crazed leader, all right, we see the magi. They come into the scene to where King Herod is. And he is in Jerusalem. Imagine this, look at this in Matthew chapter 2, follow with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says, where is he? They come along the scene, the Magi from the east. And he says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They come in and they're, they're asking him, hey, where is the king of the Jews? That's, that is a bold statement for them to come in and say such a thing. For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. These magi, they come into the scene and, and in essence, they tell King Herod, hey, uh, you know what they're saying when they come into the scene is you are not qualified to be the king of the Jews. There's a, someone that is more qualified than you. So imagine coming into this unhinged leader and these magi uh, and they come in and they say this. It is a major shot to old Herod as he, is at his, as he is the political king there in that place. But how many know that he is not the king of kings or the lord of lords? So these magi, they're telling him, hey, in essence, they're saying, you are not the king. Mori Provech, you are not the king. And Herod, crazy, uh, you, know, you know, in his mind, they're, they're saying, you do not fit the role. And, and and we are here in in Jerusalem to seek Him, and it, it's amazing because they had heard this prophecy back uh, way back when. In Isaiah, it says that it talks about the coming of uh, of the Messiah to Jerusalem. Now now there is a a time and a place for that, but they go to Jerusalem to try to find this Messiah. But look at this in Matthew chapter two, verses three through six. When Herod the king heard this, he heard them talking about this. He was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. You know why? Because he was scary and everyone was like, if Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, all right? And, and there was, they were troubled with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, come on, read it with me. It says, in where? Not Jerusalem, in where? Of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. You are a Podoc little town in the middle of Judea, and no good thing can come from you. That's really what, in essence, what that what that is saying. For for from you shall come a ruler who will what? Shepherd my people, Israel. So Herod. He, he, he's pretty smart here. i got to give him props on this one. He goes to the priest. He goes and he says, hey, I need you guys, I need you to tell me something because these guys are coming to Jerusalem to try to find this king of kings and this lord of lords and this messiah. But, but, but the truth is when he finds out from them, hey, really where you should be going is Bethlehem. He actually helps them in their case. Herod does them a favor, and he says, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to Jerusalem because what the, what the priests are telling me is the prophecies actually say he will be born in Jerusalem. Look at this. Picks up in verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me word that I too may come to worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Verse nine. After listening to the king, they went on their way. So so this tells us something. Herod thought this king could be the son of David, a, a, a Jewish king, a real king that met prophecy, not a political appointment. Come on, he knew he knew he was a political appointment, and, and, and so he is insecure of the possibility that this could be the Messiah. And he tells them, "Go and find him and come back and get me so that I may and go and worship him. And can I tell you something? We can tell what, what Herod's intentions are. They're not sincere at all. You know why? Because if he wanted to worship the king, come on, he would have went to Bethlehem. If he truly wanted to worship the king, he could have went to Bethlehem. He could have went right to where the child was. But instead, he sends the magi to look for him so that that maybe they'll come back to him. And it's safe to say this. This is what I will say in that case. uh, Herod knew the truth. Come on, everyone say truth. All right. How many know the devil works in lies? The devil always works in lies. The devil is a liar, the Bible says. The Bible says he is the father of all lies. You know, all sin and bondage starts with a lie. When. Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. They fell to a lie of the enemy. There was a, a truth in there, but there was a false in there because he said, "Surely you will not die," and that was a true fact. Okay, they were not going to die in that moment, but they would die. It was. How many know the devil lies? Amen. And so, so we see here that this this through Herod we see uh, the same spirit that works through the enemy. Come on, he's he's telling lies. He's promoting his agenda. Come on, right? How many have ever promoted your own agenda? Come on, be real with me. Come on, don't sit there like a lump on a log like you don't ever try to get something to go your way when it's not going your way. The magi, they, they follow the star, and they, they see this young baby, probably at this time, probably two years of age. And, and they worship him, and they bring gifts to him, frankincense and myrrh and gold. And and, and and an angel visits the wise men in a dream and tells them, hey, you don't go back to Herod. Go home a different way. How many know that God will sustain you? God will keep you. When you're obedient to what God has told you to do, he will sustain you. Amen? How many... Uh, no, once you've experienced Jesus, come on, you'll go home a different way. Let me see your hand if you've experienced Jesus and you went home a different way than you came. I want you to look around this house. I, I, want, I want you to see that faith, the faith that changes you, that Jesus Christ changes everything. I said it last week, Jesus changes everything. Amen. So when the wise men don't return to Herod, guess what? He gets crazed. He gets paranoid, and he goes crazy, and in his insecure way and thinks, hey, I'll make a decree that every child under the age of two in Bethlehem dies. How many know that that is wicked? How many know that that is wrong? That is brutal. But yet we see that same spirit, come on, in our society and in people. Come on, somebody. So 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 goes the bedlam of Bethlehem and, and every child under the age of 2 is killed by roman soldiers going up and down the streets grabbing every pulling babies from probably crying fighting mothers trying to keep their child and try to sustain their child. I don't know a, a good mom in the house that wouldn't go to blows for their kid, that wouldn't fight a 300 pound man for their kid if, they're, if that man was picking on their kid, that wouldn't give their life for their kid. But in that moment, they come along and they start taking out uh, uh, these two-year-olds. But an angel appears to Joseph and, and tells him, hey, you've got to get out of here. You've got to go to Egypt. And how many know that if God has a plan for your life, God will sustain you. God God will keep you. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. I don't care what the economy says. I don't care what the government says. Jesus Christ will always get the glory. Amen? So Herod was the political king of the Jews. He was alive. But the truth of the matter is he's willing to kill the truth. That's really what's happening. He wants to... To, to just, let's cover up the truth here. Let's, let's not make this work. The, the truth of the prophecy of the Lord, and he wants to overthrow that thing. And, and, and here's the thing. We become unhinged from reality when we are no longer united with the truth. Let me say that one more time because that bounced off every wall in here. Listen, we become unhinged from reality when we are no longer united with the truth. You know what this nation needs? The truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. If we're going to do it, let's do it. But here's the case. Herod was unhinged. And even though he, he knew the truth of Jesus, and he, I think, deep down inside, he knew that who Jesus was and that he was the rightful king. Uh, but but uh, you know, he, he had these he validated his sinful actions because of his own pride. This is my kingdom. This is my rule. And how many know that pride is dangerous? Can I tell you something? Uh, man, uh, emotions should be servants, not masters. Come on, I, I like this statement, and I say this quite often. Emotions are good indicators, but they are terrible drivers. Emotions will tell you where you're at, but listen, if you are driven by your emotions, you're going to have to make some regrets, say I'm some sorries, right? Have you ever been there? How many of you have had to apologize for something you said or you overreacted to? How many have ever had to go back to your spouse and said, I am sorry, I overreacted, I let my emotions get me, I didn't know all the details, and I am sorry, Right? So we see King Herod driven by emotions, frustrations, and insecurity. He's unhinged in, in a sense. He, he could have witnessed one of the greatest gifts of mankind, but he's too driven by his own pride that he's unhinged and says, it's all about me and my kingdom. You know, in the Old Testament, we see a, a great example of this. King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 22 And when Saul started as king, he was, man, he was very humble, he, he, he really didn't even want to be king. He didn't. Even, he was just like, man, I don't really want to do this. But man, the Lord elevated him, and through time, uh, come on, yeah, through time and through living, he became a little bit prideful, and he became a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's about me kind of mentality, kind of thing. And so, this is what happened to him. And, and you can read this First Samuel chapter twenty-two. I'll give you three things real fast that happened to him. Is number one, uh, he appealed to his sinful thinking. He he began to have pride and he began to covet because David was growing and and. and might and power and would soon be the next king but instead of embracing him uh, you know and and he could have you know he was he was more uh, coveting he's like well david's from the from the tribe uh, of judah you know that's that's the place to be from i'm only from the tribe uh, of benjamin and so that's a lesser known tribe and, and and what happens is we begin to start thinking and saying boy i wish that was me come on right I wish that was me. But here's the second thing that Saul did. He he appealed to his self, self-pity. And, come on, I'm going to talk to somebody in here. Everyone is against me. Right? Don't we do that? Oh, everyone's against me. Whoa, it's me. God is against me. Right? Have you ever said that? We go around, you should feel sorry for me because I'm going through so much stuff. You know, sorry in the word in Hebrew is is the word chala or kala, and it means this: sick. We're sick, and 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 it's it's about us. So Saul wanted everyone to be sick for him. Hey, I'm I'm struggling here, and I want everyone to feel sorry for me. Come on, right? Here's the next thing that happened to Saul. He, he, after these three steps, the second step, the third step is this. He, he appealed to his sinful action. He began to promote a lie. He began to lie about David. And, and he began to push people to do the wrong thing. But, it, but we see this exact same thing play it out in Herod. So something that happened in the Old Testament is happening right here at this place. How many know the devil is a liar? The devil uses lies. And, and, and Saul, the Bible tells us, became unhinged. So did King Herod. And Saul knew the truth, and he denied it. King Herod knew the truth, and he denied it. Herod was about death. Everyone say, Herod was about death. Let's look at this one, King Jesus. Everyone say, King Jesus. You know, this is, this is his story, or his story, right? Jesus Christ literally means Jesus the anointed one, or Jesus the Messiah. Everyone say, Jesus the Messiah. Here's the difference between Jesus, come on, and Herod. Jesus came humbly. Zechariah nine nine would be prophesied to say said that he would come lowly. He came as a child. He came as an infant, an infant child. There is nothing more innocent or vulnerable than a child. We have laws protecting kids under certain ages because they are vulnerable. Come on, right? And, and, and we try to protect them. But a little baby in your arms, man, there is nothing sweeter than just a little baby that can't do any harm. The only thing they can do is poop in a diaper, come on, and cry at you a little bit. But they are so sweet when you rock them, you begin to love on them. But they are vulnerable, right? If left out in the cold, they will die. If not fed, they will die, right? Right? So Jesus comes in the form of a of a child. You know, I begin to think about this. When when our kids hurt, uh, you know, we want to help them, right? Even when you get older, when your kids hurt, you know, you see them going through pain. You're like, man, if I could take their pain for them, I would take it for them right here and right now. When I was little, man, we were preaching a camp. My mom and dad were preaching a camp. I was not. I was just coming along. I don't know how old I was, maybe four. And, and, and uh, where we were staying, I remember going into the bathroom. And I found my dad's razor. Come on, somebody. You know where this is going. And I grabbed my dad's razor, and I had seen him shave his face. I didn't know nothing about no shaving cream. I didn't know anything about any of that. But I just thought, I'm going to shave my face right now. I have all the little peach fuzz on my 4 year old face. I'm going to get it off right now. And I haven't been able to grow hair since. What's the lesson? Don't shave when you're four. But, but I took that razor and I began to shave my face, not knowing exactly the, the amount of uh, how hard I should push or not push. And you can, you can believe what happened to me. I had scars and scratches all over my face. And I came out of the bathroom and I looked like I you know was out of a scary movie or something. My, my mom said, what happened to you? And I was like, oh, no. and, and, and 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 this lady there that was working the camp, she was the camp nurse, she saw me and she put some Band-Aids all over me. And every time I would go up to her and I'd be like, oh, uh, my face hurts. She'd give me another band-aid. And I had like 25 band-aids all over my face. You know why? Because she sympathized with my pain. Because I was vulnerable. My mom's probably going, He does not need another band-aid on his face. You know, Jesus, he came, he came quietly and he came humbly and innocently. He was he was virgin born, showing that he was both man and God. Uh, Luke recorded it. Uh, a medical doctor, Luke recorded it. And, and so, think about this: if a medical doctor says, "Hey, this guy is virgin born," he's not going to lie because he, he's going to tell the truth medically. He's going to be like, "Man, th- you guys do not understand. This is the immaculate conception. This is this is uh, this is a wonderful thing." But but he was born of, of two poor teenagers. Come on, and Mary and Joseph, no prestige, but Mary's bloodline proved that. That he was the Messiah because she came from her dad came from the tribe of Judah, which made her from the lineage of the tribe of Judah. Come on, I was reading as I was studying this and and, and Mary's mother came from uh, the tribe of Levite because the judah the, the tribe of Judah could marry outside of their their tribe and so listen when you put when you put mary's Jesus' grandparents together, you've got the tribe of Judah, and you've got the tribe of Levi, and that makes Jesus Christ both king and priest, and how many know that he is king and priest still to this day, amen, he was God and man at the same time, Mary and Joseph forced to go to Bethlehem because of Caesar's decree, traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, by foot, some 20 miles, probably would have taken them four days, walking, pregnant woman, Come on, think about that for a minute. Long ways, poor, not, not a lot of money. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem, uh, uh, Ephrathah, uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for, 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 uh, for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from the ancient of days. Prophesied Jesus would be born where? years before this would ever happen and you know bethlehem you've heard me talk about this in years past it means the the house of bread everyone say the house of bread fitting that that jesus who calls himself the bread of life would be born in the place called the house of bread i I love that no no room in the inn so hey we're, we're gonna put you out here in the manger, a, a place for animals. And you know what? We're, we're going to even put Jesus in the feeding trough. Come on. Think about how lowly that is. I don't know. I talked about this a little bit last week. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, God the Father, uh, his marketing team, not so well here. Didn't really push the agenda. You know, didn't get it out there on social media. Didn't tell the right influencers because, you know what? God has a way of doing things. Come on. But I'll tell you this. We're still talking about the birth of Jesus Christ today. Come on. And how many know that he's still he's still king? Amen. So so the shepherds, they're on the scene. They're the outcasts of society, the ones who did not deserve to be there and did not deserve to witness the, that Jesus on that first evening. But really, when I think about the shepherds, it's really just a picture of you and I. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. But he has invited me to the table, even with my filthy, bad self. He has said, hey, come be a part of this. He's saying, come and dine. Amen. He says, there's room at the table. He's saying, come and dine. He says... Even though we don't deserve it, but the invitation is still there. Amen? And I'll say this. Maybe you feel marginalized by, by church or religion. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are thirsty. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are hungry. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are broken. Jesus says, come to me, all who are simple." Jesus says, come to me, all who are lost and dying, and I will give you rest. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen. So God majors on helping the lost and the hurting. Jesus would live a perfect life, no sin, following his father's plan, establishing a kingdom with no end is what Luke one thirty three says. He would die on a cross for your sins and my sins. And then he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that he now sits at the right hand of the father and he's interceding for you and me. And one day he's coming back for us. Amen. Jesus, when he first came, he came in humility, but when he comes back this second time, the Bible says he's coming with a sword in his hand. He's coming on a white horse, and it says, his vesture says, king of kings and lord of lords. And when he comes this second time, he's going to come down the Mount of Olives, not on a donkey, but on a white horse, and he's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says that it will split, and and he is coming back. Amen? Do you believe that? What are you saying, Pastor? Pastor? Jesus, who came humbly, will reign forever and ever. His kingdom will have no end. Unlike Herod, his kingdom gone. It's over. Jesus wants you to be a part of his kingdom. So, so I want to look at this. Everyone say, Jesus' kingdom is life. Jesus' kingdom is truth. So I want to make a comparison here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come real fast. Two kingdoms. Herod's kingdom is about the pleasures of Now. Really, when you think about it, it's about me, it's about what I want. Herod's, Herod, listen to me, listen to me, people. You've seen people leave the building before. Listen. Herod represents people, people who know the truth, but the truth is nothing more but an inconvenience to them. That's what Herod represents. He, he People who, who want prestige, they want the pride of life, they want their own desire. These are people that say following Jesus is too hard. It's inconvenient to me because it makes me not get to do my own desires. And I believe Herod knew that Jesus was the true son of God. And I, I believe Herod understood that Christ was a, was a threat or a hold to his power. But, but Herod spent his life fighting for this prestige and power. Those two things, he just fought over and over, killed and killed and killed just to try to claw his way to the top. Herod represents us who know the truth. Come on. But our lives don't represent that truth. Let me say that again. Come on. You ought to write that down. Herod represents us who know the truth. But our lives don't represent that truth. I know who Jesus is, but my life doesn't represent who Jesus is. And Herod majors on things like self-pity, self-pleasure, self-promoting, self-sustaining. I'd say many of us know the truth of who Jesus is in this building. Amen? But here's the thing. Like Herod, we're not the first to go and worship him. We'll let someone else go do it. Go tell me about it, and then I'll see if I want to do it. But indeed, you know, we do things out of our own self-preservation or preservation. Sin is—it's not just the bad things we do against God, but it's—you know—sin is fighting for possession of your soul. Listen to me, people of God. Listen to me, everyone in the building. Sin is fighting for the possession of your soul. All right. And and so it wants to kill you. The Bible says that the wage for, for sin is death. It's death spiritually. And Satan's devices have not changed. They have been the same. Since the fall, he has been trying to steal, kill, and destroy the truth of God. But how many want good news? Here's the good news. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, here's the good news. I want to talk about this, Jesus' kingdom. Everyone say, Jesus' kingdom. You know, Jesus' kingdom is not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. See, here's what I know. Truth stands in the way of a lie. Right? Court of law. Truth stands in the way of a lie. Truth challenges Herod mentalities that we we struggle and fight to maintain control. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. Buckle up. Here we go. Jesus is the truth. John chapter 1, verse 14. I love what, what John says here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and... Come on, say it. Grace in. Say it. Grace in. Jesus humbly came. In Matthew, we learn that Jesus is the Messiah. In Luke, we see that Jesus is the savior of all. In Mark, we see that Jesus was the suffering servant. In John, we see that, that Jesus was God indeed. I, I, I love this. Look at this John chapter 8, verse 32 says, And you will know the truth and the will set you. You will know the and the will set you. Talking about Jesus Christ. He'll set you free from drugs. Brother David, he'll set you free from drugs. He'll he'll set you free from sin. He'll set you free from bondages. He'll set you free from lies, from lust and strongholds. Everyone say this. Jesus is the truth. Look at this. One more. John chapter 14, 6. Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am God. The way and the truth, and the no one comes to the Father except through me. And the thing about Jesus is this He did all this because He loves you. Okay? And all He asks is that you believe in Him and that you you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that you give your life to Him. It's that simple. He did all the work. It's finished. And that's the only thing he asked. So everyone say, Jesus is the truth. He's the truth to all the lies of your flesh and the enemy speaking to you. Today, uh, will, you, will you come to know the truth? And the truth, listen, when you come to know the truth, the truth will make you free, will set you free. Amen? How many know that Jesus has set you free? 2 Corinthians says this, 521, for, this, for our sake... He made him to be be sin who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the truth. It's why Jesus came, amen? I'm going to do something today a little bit different. I'm just feeling this in my heart. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want, to encourage, I want to encourage someone. I don't want to call anyone out. I want to encourage someone today. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I've been set free by the truth of Jesus Christ. Will you stand? Come on. Come on. There, I, if you can't stand, if you can stand, you may not be able to stand. Let me ask you this. I, I see a lot of people standing, but do you, do, you, do you truly believe what you just did, what you just said? Because the Herod mentality says, I know Jesus, I know who he is, it's inconvenient though. But I want to challenge you today, come on, I want to challenge you today to run to the truth of Jesus Christ and God's kingdom, amen? And when you do, come on, self-pity, sin, selflessness, pride and arrogance, man, all those things will fall to the wayside. Because once you submit your heart to God, the Bible says this, that that we are to die to ourselves. The Bible says if you go looking for your life, you will lose your life. But when you give up your life, you will gain life, eternal life. And Jesus, before that statement, would say this. Hey, take up your cross and follow him. Or follow me. Follow Jesus. Follow him in the truth today. Amen? You know, I'll say this. Jesus' story. Is about Him, it's not about us, like the play we talked about. And I would, I would venture to say this, with every, ba- every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I hear you loud and clear. I think if we're not careful, we've been in church so long, we become so comfortable. We believe in the truth, but we don't walk in the truth tell of two kingdoms here one is temporal and one is eternal jesus kingdom will last forever is what luke says if you're here under the sound of my voice and you don't know jesus as your personal savior or you say hey pastor I, i need to i need to make amends i need to i need to come back to the feet of jesus i need to respond to him today if that is you today, would you just would you just lift your hand with no one looking around? Anybody in the building, just for a few moments here as we just tarry just a moment. Anybody, you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Come on, I want to encourage you. You need to make it right today. You need to make it right. The truth will what? Set you free. Set you free from sin. Set you free from bondage. You'll walk out of here a free person in your life. Amen. Anybody, anybody as I wait, just to tarry just a moment, just a moment longer. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, no one looking around. Come on, be sensitive for me. Just a moment. Come on, please be sensitive for me. I I know, say, Pastor, we're taking a long time. Man, there's a soul in the balance. We talked about spreading the good news last week. There's a soul in the balance. Come on. I'm going. I saw that hand. and I want you to just... Uh, Just everyone repeat this prayer after me today. Say, Jesus, God, I come before you. God, humbly. God, in need. God, hurting and lost. Lord, I know you came to this earth. Lord, I, I, I know you are the truth. Lord, I know you are the way. Lord, I know you are the light. Lord, I, I admit that I am a sinner, that I have failed, I have made mistakes, but Lord, I believe in you. I believe you are the Christ. I believe you came to this earth, virgin born, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, raised from the dead, and in our interceding at the Father's hand for me. God, I confess with my mouth, Lord, all my sins. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, redeem me. God, make me whole. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.